Well, hello and welcome to the Wednesday Word. We are so happy that you are here. This is the Wednesday Word, but we're recording on Tuesday, March 8th, and it happens to be International Women's Day. So because of that, I have um, invited some pretty fabulous women to be a part of today's podcast. So I'm Julie Hart. I am Director of Connectional Ministries at Desert Spring Church. And I have with me, I'm going to start with the first woman I met, who is Beth Blackwood. I met her when I came on as youth director eight and a half years ago, actually almost nine now, and she was one of the volunteers with the youth group, and Beth does a multitude of things here at Desert Spring and outside of Desert Spring in our community, so I'm really pleased to have her here. So Beth, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your life here at Desert Spring? Thank you, Julie. Uh, We moved to Las Vegas in 2008 and came to Desert Spring one month after Pastor Dave started as pastor. Um, My husband, Bob, and I uh, have been involved with church all of our lives. We have three fabulous children, twin daughters and uh, a son, and uh, they grew up in the church as, as did my husband and I. It didn't take us long after getting to Desert Spring before we started getting involved in many different aspects of (laughs) church life. And uh, we've just made so many friends and had so many wonderful experiences. And Beth gets things done, right? You know, (laughs) Beth gets things done. Yeah. So, yes, Beth is, she's not really talking about all of her things, but she's a part of, big, huge part of Family Promise, which is a great organization we partner with and uh, Emmaus and um, she, many, many ministries here. So we're glad that you are here, Beth. Also, Beth is a part of my Emmaus group. Um, we meet every other week and kind of hold each other accountable. And so I uh, shout out to our Emmaus sisters um, that help us, strong women that help keep us on the track. So, and then my next guest here is Tracy Brown. I've known Tracy for about 13 years now. I am, she is the director of Potosi Pines Camp, and so very pleased to have her. So Tracy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hi. Um, yeah, I'm Tracy. I'm the director up here at Potosi. Um, I'm not a member at Desert Spring, but I feel like I probably should be. I'm there often enough. Um, very pleased and proud to have Desert Spring as a great ministry partner with us up here at camp. Um, so between one thing or another, uh, I feel like I'm there quite often. So um I'm, I'm happy to be involved, at, at least at that limited level. Um, work very closely with Julie. Um, of course, she's a big camp supporter. And um, when she was doing youth, getting kids up there, and now in other ways, too, um, like to work very much with Lydia, getting the younger kids to camp. Um, we do a leadership program that meets there at Desert Spring once a month for our teen leaders, um, most of whom are Desert Spring kids. Um, so, yeah, I... I I feel like I, I belong, even though I'm not officially a member. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 one of ours, and also um, we have uh, Chris Devereaux here, our sound engineer, yes. etc. Yeah, I'm glad to be here with you. And it, it is International Women's Day, but it is nice to have a male perspective. So thanks for bringing that to the table. All right. So the format of the podcast is we will read Pastor David's devotional that he writes to go alongside with his sermon. So if you didn't get a chance to watch the sermon, you can always catch that uh, at DesertSpringChurch.com on our website there. He just started a series on Romans um, for the series of Lent. So 
the scripture that he uses for his devotional is comes from Matthew 7, verse 1, and it is, Don't judge so that you won't be judged. And he says, Last Sunday, I began a series of sermons on the book of Romans. I began the sermon by talking about the reasons Paul wrote the letter. In chapter 14, verse 10, Paul asked the church why they judged one another and why they despised one another. The reason for the judgmentalism and even contempt within the church was change. The church had changed, and not everyone liked the changes. When it comes to church life, Pastor David says, some changes are welcome and some are not. So his question is, in your experience, what are some of the positive changes that you have experienced in the church? And so I'll go first while the two of you are thinking. Um, I've been 25 years uh, in the Methodist Church on staff, actually, for 15 of those 25 years. And the first thing that came to mind is how many more women there are in the pulpit than there were 25 years ago. Um, We still have a ways to go with that, but um, that's kind of... it's exciting to me. Um, you know, in a patriarchal work world, it shows young girls and women that men are not the authority or the owners of God's word. Because um, that has always really bothered me, this idea that the man is the spiritual head of the household and the authority, the man. And, and many denominations I know still, if, it do, if the word doesn't come from a man, then it, it, it's not valid. And so um, I think we've come a long way in that. Um, it shows young girls and women that they don't need a man to help discern God's word for them um, because they have, they see women in the pulpit. So, um, yeah, that's one of the first things that comes to mind. Uh, what about you, Tracy? Well, I am not ordained, but I have worked for the United Methodist Church most of my adult life, um, maybe 30 years now. I haven't done the math, but it's close. Um, and so, you know, in those, those years, I've done a lot of different teaching, preaching, um, leading in many different ways. Um, and I've always been really grateful that the Methodist Church has been very encouraging and accepting of that. Um, not all of my work has been in the camping area, but lots of different places as well. And um, I've always felt very um, encouraged to be in those roles. And so that's a, that's a big positive. And I know yeah, I grew up as a United Methodist, so for me, it, I just sort of take it for granted, but I know that there are many churches where that would not be as welcome or encouraged, um, and so I'm grateful that that is a foundational part of, of who we are now and, and what we value, um, because it's, you know, that those experiences have given me my voice, helped me to find out who I am helped me to build my confidence, um, not just as a leader, but, you know, as a person and as a, as a child of God. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I'm saying the same thing that you are, Julie, but I too, I'm grateful for, for that, um, value that's placed on a, a woman's voice, um, and that we have those platforms that we can, um, speak to the, those coming behind us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Beth? I'm also encouraged by seeing enhanced roles for women, but I also love that the church is big enough to accommodate all kinds of different ways to embrace and celebrate. Um, Mm -hmm. In my youth, I was a dancer and my church 
started doing liturgical dance. Mm. And I thought, what a wonderful way to celebrate the love and grace of God through interpreting the word in movement and in art and not just confining everything to what would be traditional roles. Mm -hmm. I always felt encouraged to um, express myself in different ways. And I also love that we are open to different ways of doing things and not, you know, stuck in always doing things the same way. Mm, Yeah, that's a really good point. That is a really good point. I think some of that even increased in these last two years as we've all had to find new ways of doing things. I think it helped us to open our eyes to some different ways, different ways to use technology, um, to bring people in in different ways. And so, yeah, I see a lot of that even still happening, Beth, and that's a great point. Mm-hmm. I like the way that we've reached out to one another to stay connected, even when we couldn't mm-hmm. be meeting in person, and that we recognized how very important that was, that we made it a priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this podcast alone, I mean, would would you all have launched into this avenue had we not had, you know, a need to find a way to connect with people? So yeah, I, it's it's been... I mean, you certainly don't want to say a pandemic has been great, but it has been good in encouraging us to think outside the box and be creative and find new ways to bring church to people in creative spaces. So, yeah, I think that's a great point. A big part of that was technology. So, Chris, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the, the that. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say is, um, you know, technology has been uh, slowly integrated in the church for a while, and it's kind of a mainstay as far as worship is concerned now. But, um, yeah, definitely being able to embrace technology these last few years and the acceleration of adoption has really enabled us to be more nimble um, and reach people than we, we wouldn't have otherwise. Even our concentration in live streaming, um, you know, we have a band member now, our bass player in the in the 11 o'clock service came uh, just out of watching online and then yeah. coming into the service. So, you know, we're definitely reaching uh, new people, maybe people we didn't before, um, in which, you know, maybe that adoption wouldn't have been quite as fast uh, previously. So definitely a positive coming out of it. I I totally agree. And I think, you know, made me really feel for people who are at home and there's, there are people who are still at home because pandemic aside, they, you know, they can't come out. And so it's great to know that, that we, that we embrace that change. Um, And, you know, that we learned that it's not about the building. I know we would say that it was something we would say, but when you, literally could not go into the building (laughs) (laughs) then you had to get more creative and you know for us just the food distribution to the neighbors i mean there's something that that the pandemic brought so exactly well and i think back to the church i was serving back in the 90s and we wanted to put screens in the sanctuary and it was like this huge big like (laughs) people were floored by this you know, and now we're doing stuff on Zoom that, so yeah, I mean, the pandemic forced us to get our brain around this technology stuff and not be quite so intimidated and put off by it. So that, you know, that's been a big help and helped us to move forward in lots of different ways. Um, So his next question is, have there been unwanted, and he's talking about by you personally, changes in a church that you have attended? So I'm going to start with you, Beth. Oh, (laughs) 
you know, you hate to point fingers. Um, when we moved from California to Northern Nevada, we started attending a church in Sparks and found that the, um, the clergy there was so entrenched and so controlled every aspect of worship and committee and church life mm -hmm. uh, that there really wasn't much room for any change. Mm. And when, when I, because as you said, I'm a person that likes to make things happen. When I tried to, um, in, in, you know, in, get myself involved and find ways that I could be active in church life, I really felt that I was pushed back into um, the only role that they would accept me in, which was being involved with youth group. Mm -hmm. um, they were not interested in any other change or any mm -hmm. other um, involvement. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was difficult. Yeah. Yeah. They, they missed out on a lot then. I mean, but yay, oh, yay over for time, the youth. <laughs> over time, they didn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not surprised by that, Beth. I'm not surprised at all. What do you think, Tracy? Well, you know, having just talked about how the church has done so well moving forward and being creative, you know, the other side of that is sometimes we are a little slow to come on board with change, um, you know, in different in different ways than we previously talked about. But you know, we're still struggling with the LGBTQ stuff. And, and, you know, it's interesting to talk to young people. I'm blessed that I get to be involved with a lot of young people in my mm -hmm. role here at camp. And for them, it's just not an issue. I mean, they're so beyond it and mm -hmm. are struggling to understand why we are not figuring this out. And then at the same time, we as leaders scratch our head and wonder why aren't more young people involved in church? Yeah, I is. Sometimes we miss the forest for the trees and, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it just, I guess, I don't know if this really answers the question, but the frustration and just our slowness to get on board, even though we just talked about how we were so creative and moving quickly, but in some areas mm -hmm. it's yeah. been a struggle. Um, and I'm thankful that we in the Western jurisdiction, I think are doing better job of it. I don't know if that's a fair assessment, but we're working at least in that direction. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, but we need to, we're missing the boat. I mean, we're just, there's so much more we could be doing than spending our time discussing stuff that in my opinion is, is we, we need to move past. So mm -hmm. I, that, I guess that's my frustration is just our, sometimes our, our slowness to, um, make changes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I will say that um, this particular issue has been so frustrating to me, both within the church and within the Boy Scouts, uh, which I'm also very involved in, that I came very, very close to throwing up my hands and walking away from the whole thing. And I've shared this with Pastor Dave, so it comes as no surprise to him. Um, one of my twin daughters is gay. And when I expressed my absolute and total frustration and disgust with the whole situation and told her I was going to give up. She said to me, mom, you love being involved and it's better to stay and make change from within Ugh. than walk away. Oh, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah, you raised her. <laughs> yeah. But it's such a good reminder mm-hmm. because, you know, the instinct is real to just like, we're never going to get there. So I'm, I'm going to move on. But if we all do that, then change will never happen. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a good reminder. And I appreciate that those words. Yeah. Yeah. We, and we, you are an agent of change and we need, you need to be here. So yeah, she's right. We, we, years ago when I was at university church, the pastor, he had us read books. I think every month we had a lot of books to read, but one of them was like sacred cows make gourmet burgers. And they talked about the different cows, like the paper cow, like the red tape, basically all the paperwork that, you know, to get something done. And the expert cow, like someone always is the expert and we can't do this because they know it's always been this way or I'm the only one that can do this. You know, there was like the work till you drop cow. And we're good at that in the church. We, we can, we can, you know, do that sometimes. But, um, I think the one that stands out for the most, the most for me is the make no mistake cow. Um, and it's just, we don't try things. Churches get into that of not trying things because they, we might get it wrong, but. Or we already tried it and it didn't work once. Yeah. Right. So it can't so possibly work again. Yes. Couldn't possibly work this right. time. Right. Right. And I'm grateful that David, he, he, that permission giving model, it's not just in the church. It's like for staff too. And he does give us permission and we do make mistakes, you know, but I think, I think some of the changes, um, even if they don't work, I think it's, I think people can see that we're, you know, we're trying things and we're trying to, you know, and I think that, I think there's value to that. Like the podcast, like you said, this was one of those things. I don't think he ever listened to a podcast before this, right? He's like, what's a podcast? What's a podcast? Yeah. It's like an old radio show, but for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's right. That is right. That is right. So what about you, Chris? Well, I agree uh, with both of those statements. Um, In fact, when we went to Kansas City, um, a lot of those statistics regarding millennials and younger, it was very apparent that the younger generation is is over it. Mm -hmm. It's not an issue of um, for them if it's, you know, okay to accept it's why haven't we? Mm -hmm. And so I do think that's, you know, that's obviously coming to a head these, these, you know, coming years, I think. But really, you know, it's a, it's about accepting people and, so I hope that we get it right on on that uh, that particular aspect. Mm-hmm. I agree that we've we've moved fast in technology and some other areas. You know, as I get older, I actually like a lot of the older traditions. <laughs> so funny. And whereas when I was younger, I probably would, you know, push those out. Yeah. So now that I'm kind of coming back around to them, I wish that w- there was a way to kind of instill the importance of some of those traditions Mm -hmm. and keep those you know I love hymns now Mm -hmm. where where before I think I was more interested in praise music yeah contemporary music um but yeah I think those the traditions are Mm -hmm. are some of the things that I I really like to to see you know keep the same that's that's interesting yeah that's interesting he speaks as the youngest one in this podcast at this moment. So, <laughs> well, I will also say that my daughters have always both been traditionalists as far as worship goes, mm. and would much prefer traditional uh, music and a traditional format. They like the mysticism mm. of the traditional mm. worship. Yeah, they don't necessarily want everything updated. Mm-hmm. I took a trip uh, a number of years ago, I think seven or eight years ago now, to Paris and was able to, before mm-hmm. it was burned down, go into uh, Notre Dame and uh-huh. during Mass. And, you know, I've been to Catholic churches before, but not not a whole service. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just so 
encompassing is really the only word I can kind of say. It was mm-hmm. it kind of enveloped me yeah. uh, when I was in there, and you know, don't know, don't know the language, um, but the chants and everything yeah. that was going on just is so, like you said, kind of mystical, kind of. And they've been that way for hundreds of years. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Well, so his next question is: As you think about the future of the church, what is one or what are two things that you hope will change? So, you know, I was thinking like for, for women from 1994 to 2017, we doubled in the clergy, women clergy. So I, I hope that we see more of that. And I hope that we make it a little bit easier. You know, I don't, it's hard for people to become pastors now. It's, it's a big sacrifice. And so I think sometimes we miss out on great people because, you know, and Pastor David talked about this just last night, you know, they go to get their education and they have this these student loans and and their 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 salaries aren't going to match that sometimes and so I hope that we um, make it a little bit easier um, and kind of look outside the box more right now Phyllis Murray one of our strong women she's serving she's not ordained but she's she's co-pastoring with a retired pastor and that's out of the box but she's got great gifts and um, that she brings to the table so I hope that we open the door for some more creative ways for people to. Yeah. What about you, Beth? I think we do a good job at what I'm thinking, but we could do better. So the change that I would like to see is being less insular and being more outlooking in our action and our mission. Mm -hmm. I think that there are so many good things happening, and I think that we could do a bigger and better job of being involved in what's happening in our community, in the social fabric. We've seen over the last two years so much real disruption in people's lives. The change that I would like to see is that we could make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think that um, for me, it is a kind of the position of the church in our uh, society as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to see um, some more focus on things like housing, things like food insecurity, mm-hmm. um, you know, really taking less, um, you know, taking that responsibility maybe away from the governments, uh, local and, and national, and, and more having some solutions uh, in the church regarding that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's I some... don't know if that's possible, but... It is possible, and there are there are channels that we can work through Mm -hmm. that we need to become more invested in. Well, even here at camp, you know, we're part, a ministry of the church and we've had a lot of conversations about everything we do, we invite people to come to us, which is fine, but what can we do to come to them? You know, what, how can we take this ministry out into the world and, and not everyone can afford or can manage to get up here um, and what can we do to bring a little taste of camp to somewhere, you know, somewhere else? Now, a big part of what we do is based on this location, the out, the nature, the outdoors. But that's not to say that we can't bring some of it. So, yeah, it's some of that same kind of thinking. Like, we need to quit being so inwardly focused and, and think outside. And, and what can we do to make the world a better place? I and mean, we all know that we're called to be salt and light. And so let's, let's go do it. Let's make it better. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're having some of those same conversations here too. Well, you have a, an event coming up, a, a Potosi pop-up camp day 
um, at one of our sister churches here, Advent United Methodist, um, uh, the day, the month, the day after Easter, we're going to afterwards be like, what were we thinking? Right. But it's a day that kids aren't in school. It's a need for parents that work. And so it's, it's, I think that's great that the camp is coming down, down the hill to, to, to do exactly that. Yeah. Great idea. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I hope so. We'll see. Um, We're excited about it. Um, But yeah, that's where this, it grew out of those conversations. Like what, how can we be in service to those in need and, and folks might need some help that day, you know, with no school. So, Mm -hmm. and if nothing else, we'll give kids some fun activities to do in the, you know, that afternoon. So we're looking Mm -hmm. forward to it. Yeah. Again, we've been in the church long enough that we have, we have, I have hope with the changes I have seen. So um, so his next question is, what is one or what are two things that you hope never change about the church? What do you say, Tracy? Oh, gosh. You know, there's so many things that I love dearly. I mean, I've made a career out of serving the church, but um, I, is it too cliche to, to say I hope we never give up our strong camping status? Um, <laughs> you know, not just because it, but it, but. I just see the growth that happens here. Um, I mean, and obviously I, you know, I have to, it's my job, but I see what a difference it makes in the lives of not just our young people, but you know, the adults that come to. And um, so, you know, the United Methodist Church has always had a strong camping presence and I hope that that never changes. Um, I know that when there's financial trouble, there's, you know, often the talk comes up of, of selling camps because those are assets and, and those have, you know, value. Um, but bringing people out of their comfort zone, out of their normal everyday lives to spend time with God, you know, has a greater value in my mind. So I hope that never changes. And perhaps that's a self-serving answer, but there you are. <laughs> well, you know what? And my thought was, I hope that we never stop supporting children in youth ministries, because when we do that, you're just to start the clock. Because, you know, if we, yeah. we stop investing in the young people, then we're just, we, we've, we're no longer investing in the church. And being in ministry with young people is, it's loud, it's messy, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of things. And it's rewarding. And it's rewarding. Yeah. And it's rewarding. So, um, yeah, I it's hope we know. joyful. Start. Yes. It's, it's a great joyful. Word. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think that, you know, um, I love our commitment to social justice. Mm-hmm. Um, everything going on in Ukraine right now, yeah. I'm sitting in church thinking, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And the only thing I could think of was take the little bit of extra money that I had and make a donation to UMCOR. Yep. Because that is something that our church does really, really well. Yep. Exactly. First to arrive last to leave, mm-hmm. boots on the ground, mm-hmm. 100%, everything you give goes to help. Mm-hmm. And that to me is the greatest way that we can reach out to somebody that we might never be able to touch and mm-hmm. make a difference in their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's nice to be able to say that to people, like, it, because you're right, several people are like, what can we do? And it's nice to, to, to know that your money is going to make a difference. So, mm-hmm. and that we do mm-hmm. that. Well, and echoing that, I'm grateful too that the church is willing to stand up for issues um, and and take a stance when mm-hmm. oftentimes religious organizations want to back away and not. Mm-hmm. But the United Methodist Church commitment to social justice, you know, it, it forces us to to take a stance in many places, and um, I, I'm grateful for that too. It was a good point, Beth. 
Mm-hmm. And it comes at a cost sometimes because people mm-hmm. get uncomfortable when we take a stand like that. But also I, I look at it that it then it, it, we can take a stand and people can leave because they don't appreciate the stand. But by the same token, we've made a place, a safer place for people when they come because we've, we've been willing to take that stand. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and it comes back to that being salt and light and loving people. I mean, mm-hmm. God calls us to, and sometimes that's uncomfortable and messy, but we're called to do those things. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. You should get the copy of the UMW's reading list. It's a really great reading list that they have every year. Um, but a lot of it has to do with social justice and change. So, yeah. Anything in the church, Chris, that you hope will never, ever, ever change? I guess just the commitment to the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 my first thought was I hope we'd never change being outward focused. You know, we don't, we don't come from a place of scarcity. We come from a place of abundance and, you know, when we, when a different kind of Christmas, the biggest offering of the year goes out, that's, that shows that, you know, we're, yeah, we believe. And so I hope we never change that because it would be easy to, it would be easy to not. Sure. Yeah. A lot of churches don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So Pastor David goes on to say, change is not always easy. The changes that took place in the house churches in Rome were very challenging due, due to the circumstances of the change. Jewish Christians had been kicked out of Rome for five years. When they returned to Rome, Gentile Christians had significantly changed church practices in a way that felt unfaithful to the Jewish Christians. Tensions grew into a division and then contempt for one another. Paul addressed the growing divisions as he reminded them not to judge one another. One of the problems with judging others is how it allows us to deflect attention away from ourselves. We can point to others' flaws without having to give consideration to our own. So his question, and I'm, I'm in a minute, not yet, Tracy. This one's for you first. Have you been on the receiving end of someone pointing out flaws of others with no consideration of their own? And how do you help someone recognize their judgmental behaviors? Yeah, Julie asked me this because she knows I struggle in this area. Because um, you said that yesterday. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do tend to be a judgmental person sometimes, and I do, I'm not saying that proudly as a boast, but it's a place where I struggle. So um, yeah, I mean, of course I've been in a place of, of being judged, but for me, this question really struck home more about where do I need to, you know, look at that in myself. Um, I tend to hold people to my standards. That's not always fair. People have not had the same experience, the same you know, vision that I do. And, and um, often I get frustrated when things don't go the way I think they should. And, and it shouldn't be about me. Um, it should be about getting the job done and serving and, and you know, being, making a difference where we can. Um, so yes, I, I, it's, a, it's a place where I'm working, let's just say. <laughs> um, so I, I reflected on the question more personally, like what can I do to be um, a little more tolerant, a little more um, understanding that, you know, people come from a variety of backgrounds and it doesn't have to be my way always. So um, I will just say that I'm working on it. How's that? Oh, so, all right. <laughs> okay. What, what about you, Beth? So I try to take my ego out of things and it takes a lot to set me off. Um, but Something happened several years ago that made my little heart so hard. 
And I've worked and worked and worked. And sometimes I think, okay, I've let that go. I put down that rock and walked away from it. Mm. Sunday morning, I woke up and I don't know what, but maybe I dreamed it, but that little hard rock was sitting on my heart. And I went into church and the Bible verse that David gave us was accept. (laughs) (laughs) And and I said, (laughs) Oh, oh yeah. There comes the two by four. Sometimes it's a two by four. Sometimes it's a feather. Um, So, you know, I try really hard uh, not to project my own thoughts of how things should be onto others. But again, if somebody comes at me, my first response is to let them have it. (laughs) (laughs) Fortunately, I have a, a good ear with my husband mm. who will let me rant and and blow off the steam and <laughs> help me craft uh, a better a better response. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 good to have a partner who can uh, who can let you okay. uh, uh, respond uh, inappropriately and then help filter you into an appropriate direction. <laughs> I, I ran into you on Sunday morning, Beth. So that's, <laughs> you know, exactly where I was going. I love you. Well, it's interesting that you both took this and you answered it on your own. The question was really, have you, have you been on the receiving end of someone else pointing out the flaws of others? And it's you, you guys just owned that on your, on your own. So that's, that's, that's really good work. That's really good work. Um, yeah. I, you know, I had a situation, I was in a meeting with a bunch of other church leaders, not from our church. And, you know, they were talking about like what it must be like to raise their kids in Las Vegas, you know, and oh, how kids, you know, whatever, what, what they would go through and all this and that and, you know, what they wouldn't want them to be subjected to, you know. And I'm thinking like, listen, I raised two pretty freaking awesome kids in this town you know it's it's I I took it personally you know for a minute like you know um but I I think what you can say I like all I can say is because you know people think we live in casinos and we have slot machines in the church lobbies I, I don't you know these people knew that wasn't the truth but um when that happens I think all you can say is you know wow it's it's really been a great place for my family for my kids you know like you want to like throw down and but you know what I can't take though? I can't take the hateful Christian. I, I really can't. I really can't take that because first of all, it's given us a bad press, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like they're the loudest ones. And so that that is sometimes when I have a hard time not when they're when they're out there just hurting people with their judgment. It's his hard. And it's so hard often to say I something. just want to stand up and scream, I'm a Christian and that's not how I feel or think or respond. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And our voices are being drowned out by yes. the hateful Christians. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So Pastor David goes on to say, Jesus said, how can you say to your brother or sister, let me take that splinter out of your eye when there's a plank in your own? Rather than focusing our attention on what is wrong with other people, Jesus wants us to focus upon our own lives, our own sinfulness, and our own need for grace. This is not to say that we are to be tolerant of bad behavior, we're not. Christians are called to stand up against sin. But to where we began, it is, an easy, it is easy for us to confuse unwanted change with sin. He says, I didn't want the change, therefore it is wrong. 
That is what's happening in the church in Rome. So his question is, so how can we know when something is truly sinful rather than just something we don't like or want? And when we encounter sin and the change it can bring, how do we stand up against sin without being judgmental? What you, Beth, you look like you have a thought. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's, it's kind of not so church-related. Um, I, I worked for a company in the Bay Area, and uh, I was surrounded by entrepreneurs. And as you well know, my gift is in administration. Mm-hmm. And what I learned about myself was that I don't like change. And when it's presented to me, my first response is going to be no. (laughs) And I learned very quickly that that didn't work with the entrepreneurial team that I was working with. So I had to learn to put my hand over my mouth and keep the no in Mm -hmm. and let it simmer Mm -hmm. until I could work through it and find a way to embrace the change without uh, jumping off the cliff without a parachute. Mm, That's a really good point. So, (laughs) so, so to me, uh, when I'm presented with something that's going to be small or monumental change, I have to learn to in to take it in and let it percolate mm-hmm. until I reach a point where I feel I can embrace the change in a way that's positive for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I relate to that a lot. I think that's my often my go-to response as well. Um, I'd like to think as I'm getting a little older and further along in my ministry that I'm getting better at it, but it, it yeah. is, I have to, I have to sit with it for a minute and, and get my brain around it because, you know, there, there are positive things to come from it. I just have to think it through. Um, but I think for me, the simplistic answer to this question is, I mean, we've said it already, it comes down to love. If our response isn't one of love, you know, then then we're, we're doing it wrong. Um, and even if it's, I'm uncomfortable, but okay, I, you know, I got to be loving in my response. Um, and, you know, it, it, it just, that's what it boils down to. I mean, we're called to love. Jesus set that example for us. Um, we see over and over again, you know, Jesus responding in, in positive ways to changes and um, doing things differently to show us, you know, that there, that we have to think outside the box and we have to be creative and, and be open to change. Um, and so, you know, even when the judgmental side of me wants to say no, or wants to resist that change, dig my heels in, um, if I can take a minute and temper my response with love, um, usually it helps bring things along much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think in terms of, um, you know, knowing when something sinful or just something that we don't want. I, I, I always go back to, you know, the, the scribes and the Pharisees bringing the adulterous woman, you know, and, and for Jesus to throw the smack down and, you know, and, and what he says is let anyone among you who's, who is without sin be the first to throw the stone at her and uh, then they scatter, you know, <laughs> it's like, I just tell myself that sometimes too, but, you know, and, and sometimes it's like, 
even in that even in that story is she the sinner i mean adult if she was an adulterer with who <laughs> like what, you know so what's uh, what else why is she the one that's you know um years ago i used to be able to go in um to with juvenile justice with the girls in juvenile justice and that were there um, in detention and the majority of them are there they're they're there on prostitution charges but these are like teenage girls that are there on prostitution charges like why are they paying why are they why are they paying the price because that's they're, they're not the ones you know and so sometimes i think we we can point to who we say the sinner is but um you know, I think if we just didn't look at it that way as like sinners are just, you know, people that are in bad situations. And, you know, for those girls, really, it's the pimps that were the sinners in my mind. And really, they get held because they want them to testify against them. But I think it's just showing them love. I just did things like going and make journals with them or going with and make masks. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not changing their lives. But I think I think standing up to the sinners is maybe helping the ones who are who are being hurt learn how to stand up for themselves and I think that just shows starts with love. You know, if you go in and, you know, just talk to them while you're doing some kind of, you know, project like that, you know, you're showing them that they're valuable and it, it, they can't value, they don't value themselves yet. Um, so I think that's my take more is like help, help other people stand up for themselves also, you know, and and that was um, something that I was that I was blessed to be a part of. So the question, uh, how can we know when someone is truly sinful rather than just something we don't like or want? And when we do encounter sin and the change it can bring, how do we stand up against sin without being judgmental? Yeah, I, I had somebody tell me one time, well, love the sinner, not the sin. And I could feel the hair on the back yes. of my neck. Oh. I'm like, who are you to judge Yep. what someone else's sin is. Mm -hmm. I think we just always need to be looking at the log in our own eye mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. stop looking for splinters elsewhere. Mm -hmm. It's, it, you know, to make it a sports analogy, it's like we were given the playbook and instead mm -hmm. of playing the game, we're just, we're just, you know, on the sideline, like telling people what they can and can't uh -huh. do. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Agreed. 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 Anytime we get into putting people and us and them, us versus them, and they're not this or we're that. I mean, we see in the scripture over and over again, Jesus goes out of his way to erase, whether it's with women, whether it's with lepers, whether it's with Pharisees, whether it's with, you know, Samaritans, whatever, over and over again, we see Jesus going out of his way to eliminate those divisions. And I think it's, it, that that's a good reminder for us. I mean, anytime we get into they're doing it wrong and we're doing it right. Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps we're, we're not being the Jesus that we need to be, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Pastor David goes on to say in kingdom living, we are, we always strive to humbly discern truth, including the truth about ourselves to confess, to forgive, even as we go about the work of bringing change to a sinful world. Remember, we make the world no better by simply pointing out other people's flaws. We do make the world better by addressing our own. Maybe humility and a forgiving heart is the key to not giving into being judgmental. Maybe. He says, this I know. Arrogance does not change hearts. Kingdom living, including humility and forgiveness, does. God bless you all. Stay well, Pastor David. So, 
Wow. Thank you so much for joining today. That's interesting conversation. And I appreciate um, strong women. And we're glad that you're here, Chris, too, because you have a great, great take care oh, on you. International Women's Day as we record this. Um, and I, I thank each and every one of you for um, the parts that you have been in my life and my journey and chris we've known each other like 25 years now so you yeah it's a long time so um all right well thank you for being here we hope uh this was your first time beth i'm sure you're gonna be a regular now <laughs> oh, right <laughs> oh see she said no just like that but she's gonna think about it because we just talked about that <laughs> both, of you are, both of you are our first zoom calls in so that's been good there you go oh there well go. always happy to be a first <laughs> Well, if you're listening from home, well, at first, if you're listening from home and you'd like to be a guest, we'd love to hear from you. Also, we'd love to hear your comments um, where you're listening in. And I'm going to go ahead and close us in prayer. Gracious, loving God, um, we thank you for um, coming together. We thank you for um, reminding us that we are not perfect and that um, we have sins of our own to focus on. Um, And we just ask that you help all of us to focus on that and focusing on what we can change about ourselves and um, uh, to just always be the light because if it's if it's not in love, then it's not from you. And so we just um, pray for us to be able to be that change um, and be the love that the world needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And thank you, friends. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>